Well, it's a, it's a joy to be here after what seems like a little bit of a break the last couple of weeks. Um, just been, yeah, it's been weird. I, I just was so gutted last week. I mean, old mate flew all the, all the way over from the UK to hang out and, and obviously got the Rona, so that wasn't ideal. Um, but um, just beautiful to, um, to, to watch the service online. Thanks, Ramon, and, and we're trying to build a team there as well. Just so that I know there's people watching right now who can't make it, and so it's a real gift that we, don't, we can be present even through that space. Nothing beats being in the room, but um, it was cool just last week, just... Um, yeah, just watching what God did. And then last um, Sunday night, amazing combined prayer meeting. I think over 100 people were there and just a beautiful evening. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But we're going to open the Word. If you've got your uh, Bibles with you, can you open up to 1 Colossians chapter 1? And uh, if you've got your uh, iPhones, you can do the same. Oof. My dream one day someone's going to turn up with a scroll. Just like, unroll a scroll. Where is it? Somewhere in here. Right. 1 Colossians. Or a papyrus or something would be cool. Uh, Let's stand together out of respect for the Word of God, and uh, we're going to read. It's on the screens. If uh, so everyone knows that, that's why no one brings Bibles anymore. But that's all right. One Colossians chapter one says this: Now I rejoice, as Paul writing. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of His body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grab a seat, friends. Interesting passage uh, where Paul's talking about uh, the fact that he is um, he's totally prepared to uh, suffer for the sake of the body, the sake of the church, and that Paul's become a servant of the church. Uh, because of the commission that God gave him, which is this, that, that everyone can know God, is what he's saying there. You guys, unless there's any Jewish folks in the room, there may be, you're all Gentiles, right? So you get to be part of this thing now, and Paul's like, this was a mystery, but now it's like God has revealed that this isn't just for a, a one people group, it's for us all, that we get to participate in what we just experienced. So beautiful. And so Paul's become a servant of the church. He's suffering for it. He's using this very strong language, this language of passion. But the reason that Paul is uh, speaking like this, writing like this, and living like this is because he's captured a vision for what uh, a flourishing church uh, can be. And I want to speak to that this morning and how we, this is kind of the end of our vision series uh, and some of you guys will be relieved about that. Uh, and we're going to change gears into Easter and all the rest of it. But uh, I want to talk about why I have chosen to pour my life out for this thing. The vision I have that burns in my bones. Uh, and I'm going to do that by stealing uh, some stuff from um, Steve Graham, who's speaking next week. Now, he knows I've stolen it. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> So I don't know what that, that's not a theft anymore, is it? I don't know what that is. I just took it, and he was cool with it. So, uh, because Steve preached a message a number of years ago um, entitled, Why I Love the Church. 
And as he preached this message, I just I wound up weeping my way through it. Because I was like, this is why I love the church. This is why I have given up so much. This is why I've chosen all the things I've chosen. Because there's something that he captured in this little talk that was so good. Now, as I talk about these things, there's going to be, all of you will think of times when the church sucked. Where it just didn't live up to that ideal, right? So I'm talking about the church at its best. But there's lots of times the church is a bit of a mere. You can't hang around in this scene long enough. At some point, you're going to get hurt. Because annoyingly, it's not filled with just Jesus. It's filled with people that follow Jesus. And, uh, and most people are Muppets at some point in their life. Or there's like bumps and bruises you've got that somebody else just says something and it whacks this bruise. They don't even know it's there because of your family of origin, whatever, right? So there's all sorts of that, go, that goes on. Now, when you go through tricky stuff in church, the, the thing is that you can uh, get disappointed, and I've been there a million times, <laughs> weekly probably, you know, uh, you're disappointed, but then that can lead to hard-heartedness, that can lead to resentment, that can lead to bitterness, that can lead to cynicism, or it can lead to yearning. Oh, Lord, it can't be like, we want it to make it like this. And where you channel that hurt depends on where you land. I've seen so many people go down the cynicism, bitterness, walk away from church route, easy to do. But I've chosen, every time this thing has ripped my undies, to go, this, I'm going to keep pouring my life into this thing because there's a yearning that it's a different experience. And uh, pastors can be Muppets. I'm a pastor. I know a lot of them. And I've been a Muppet. Okay, so card-carrying Muppet. You know, like, do things because in my humanity that hurt people. Absolutely, I've done that over the years. And, uh, and, there, and there's some pastors have been real big Muppets. <laughs> you know, and rightly have been called out in media and all the rest of it, and, 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 and God has brought what's been in the darkness to light and all the rest of it. But also, the church can hurt pastors. We don't talk about that too much, but I don't throw it out there. Uh, and so my dad's a vicar, and this is again when therapy kicks in for me. Um, I grew up as a vicar's kid and all the rest of it. But there was a season where people in dad's church wrote a nasty letter to him in a coordinated effort to get him, and they delivered it, a single, a different person delivered a letter to his letterbox every day for 24 days straight. Can you imagine walking to the letterbox and what that would do to you? And this man did not walk away from that church. He continued to love it, serve it, give himself to it. That's legendary. I don't know what you've been through. That's up there, though. That maybe beats what you've gone through in terms of a negative experience of church. <laughs> anyway, right? So let's channel this stuff into yearning because this is his gig. This is, I want to see this place flourish. So Steve Graham talks about a bunch of things about why he loves the church. He says, I love the church because it's a family. Paul in Galatians, uh, Galatians 6 verse 10, Therefore, if we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's a beautiful metaphor. There's a whole lot of pictures of our 100 tables things last year. There's the picture of the rug, us watching the rugby together. I, I love this thing because we're family. <laughs> I love it. And you know, within a family, there's heaps that's just like left foot, right foot. Like someone's got to take out the rubbish. Someone's got to stack the dishwasher, blah, blah, blah. Right? There's some of that. But then, then there's moments of just insane fun and beauty as a family at its best. And they're not just the high points either. 
You know, it's like when you go through tricky things, there's, some, there's a richness that takes place, uh, you know, in, in the family of God. Uh, I want to honour Andy and Gemma who are here today for the first time this year, and that's not, I'm not telling them off because they had a good reason, <laughs> uh, because they've been journeying with um, Andy's dad who passed away Wednesday week, uh, you know, 10 days ago, whatever it was. And, and, and this moment, like, so what is the, happens when something like that's going on? The family rallies together. And like, you know, Andy's sister's coming up from the hut all the time, and like, it's like Marai Styles at the Wordsworth's house for, for like weeks because, and, and like it's, it was incredibly sad, and I want to honour these guys because they looked after John in the most amazing way. They just cared and loved for him, and I was very proud of them. Like they just did such a beautiful job caring for John as he died, and it was a beautiful story of a godly man who passed away surrounded by people that love him. And the, and I watched the service. I was uh, speaking to Nelson for the funeral service, but I just wept my way off of him crying. I cried a lot. Uh, thanks, Mum. Uh, but you know, there was a, um, a lot of genetic influence there. But um, you know, wept my way through that funeral service as just the story of a, a man who poured out his life, served the church, served the less fortunate. Just it was it was insane. And I'm like, there's something about church where it's like uh, at its best, we're there for each other. And those moments, incredible celebration, and those and the tough moments when we were all on those mezzanine things and we're cheering, watching the rugby, and, and we're giving jip to the South Africans, and they were giving jip to us, and then they were all swanning around because they won, and all that. It was just so much. It's just like, I love it. Church camps, the whole thing, like, there's just, the, at its best, it's the richest community in the world. At its best, it's the richest community in the world. Uh, secondly, uh, Steve uh, was saying, I love this because it's actually the bride. Uh, and, and this is a picture of obviously my bride, if you wonder who that is. Uh, Jenna, she walks up the aisle. Uh, let us rejoice and be glad, it says in Revelation, uh, let, uh, and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. In Ephesians 5, it talks about this church being the bride. And so this, is, this speaks to the, these moments of incredible beauty that happen in the church. These moments where you're just like, oh, this is... Uh, Marie and, and Peter got married in, uh, in December last year, and it's like, as the brides, I was taking the, the wedding service, as the bridesmaid came in, they just started walking up, and all of them were just totally overcome with emotion because they loved Marie, and they knew her backstory and how significant this moment was. And I was actually getting concerned. I was like, there's crying, and then there's like, I've lost control, ugly crying, and these girls are flirting with the latter, you know? <laughs> and, and I was talking to them later, and it was like, this, this, this was, I was close, you know, to absolutely losing it. And, uh, but again, because it was just this incredible moment of beauty, like when Jim walked up the aisle, we had the bagpipes going, and it was, again, I'm Scottish, so half of you guys, that sounds like a nightmare, and the other half of you guys have got the tingles happening, as you can imagine it. And it's like, uh, and it's like it was just this moment of incredible beauty, and the church, again, at its best, I love it, because we have these moments where it's like, oh, this is insane. Like when we have our baptism service, and we're going to do this every term now, which once we work out where the heck we're going to be meeting, but, uh, you know, we're going to... Um, just that moment of just like, this is, this is so beautiful. As, you know, Kerwin and Karen, some of the guys just gave their testimony. They got baptised. and like, this, yeah, there's a lot of like doing the dishes and sorting some stuff out. But we do it because as a family, there's these moments we get to celebrate that are unbelievably beautiful. 
That's why I love this thing. Then he talks about the temple. Uh, he says, I love, this, I love the church because it's, it's the temple built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. The whole building is joined together and becomes a holy temple in the Lord. So we love, you know, love it because it's like we're family. We love it because of bride, these beautiful moments. But then we love, we, like, there's something that happens in the church that's transcendent. It's like we encounter God in this place. Like in that worship time, it was like, it was just there was that sense of his presence coming and housing in these living stones. You know, uh, last week at the, um, at the prayer service, again, talking to Kerwin at, the, at our youth group on Thursday night, I was like, bro, that was off the charts. He's like, he's like that's better than any drug. <laughs> you know, you go, you worship God. And by the sounds of it, it went off last Sunday night. If you didn't go, you missed out. It was just like this unbelievable sense of the thick presence of God there. Worship. I mean, leading worship to people that turn up to a prayer meeting is easy, to be fair to the gang. You did well. But I'm like, everyone's there, hungry, you know. I mean, it's all right, you know. But it's like the end of the day, low-hanging, low-hanging fruit. You know, these guys are there. To, but, you know, you led it beautifully. All the pastors were actually commenting on it at a meeting this week. But, you know, but it's like this trans. So the Kerwin's tripping out in a good way, the way that God designed them to trip out, not the other way. And it's like, because the God is in this place. God is here. These moments, you know, like we've had in the past where the kids have prayed blessing over the adults. You know, the, the, uh, there's Chelsea in our uh, prayer room when we had the 25th. Just these moments of encounter with God. You know, I was uh, speaking, not last week, because I covered the week before, I was in Nelson with all these Anglicans. And uh, on the Saturday night, like, I was talking about prayer because that's what I kind of feel like talking about these days. And it's like, and we just out of it had this like spontaneous prayer meeting with the camp, you know? It was like, well, what I've talked about, I was like, we should probably just do it, you know? And it was just like everyone just praying and crying out to God. And I was like, this is just so epic. This is what separates us from the rugby club, you know? Have these great moments where you can feel like a family and have special moments, but then God's presence turns up in this place and it's a whole other thing. I love this because of the presence where we have the presence of God. So lastly, uh, not lastly, uh, then Steve talks about the faith of the body. Now Luke loves this. I get 20 bucks every time I show this, so it's worth it for me as well. Um, but we form one body, right? We're, we're, we're a body. Um, so we're a family. There's this beauty that happens. It's the bride. Something transcendence happens. But it happens because a bunch of people work together to put their gifts, they contribute their gifts to make this whole thing happen. All, every one of us is called to serve. Pastors and preachers are called to serve in a, in a unique way. But actually, this is where we've elevated this thing sometimes a little bit too much. It's important. We want to, but at the end of the day, what, it's the priesthood of all believers where we're all here to contribute and to serve to make this thing happen. I'm not, you don't just attend a church. You're part of a body and you play an important part. And I love that. I love it when Chelsea gets up to share about why she's passionate about Bay Kids. It's like, yes, because we carry this together. And it's like, I love that, you know, the royal we, we love your kids. She speaks on behalf of a, of a, a culture and a heart in our church. It's beautiful. Uh, for, now this will move. This some of you guys want. This is okay. Steve said it. Blame him next week. But it's like it's it's a family. It's a it's the bride. It's the the transcendence. It's the body. But also there's a sense of an enterprise. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, when he's talking about the church, talks about the fact that we're co-workers, we're in this God's field, it's kind of like a market gardens, the, the literal kind of translation, and God's building. So there's something about this that, that's like, we're not just, 
loosey-goosey here. We're trying to organize some stuff because this is worth it. And Jesus says he would build his church. Like there's a sense of, I like that we're strategic. This is a very terrible stock image. It's the only one I could find because no one takes photos of meetings. Uh, but we have meetings every week, planning this thing, organizing this thing, thinking strategically about the thing. We're constantly, I like, I love the church. I love this church because it's like we're not just loosey-goosey. Just trying, We're intentional. We're strategic. We're thinking about things. We're planning things. Uh, and, uh, but, we, you know, I love all the, you know, I love that we're a bride and it's beautiful temple trans, but we're also, we're going somewhere and we're organizing some stuff here. And then lastly, uh, Steve talked about the fact that we're an army, which is a metaphor that's interesting considering the early church was pacifist, but they wanted to capture something of a common purpose. Like there is, there, and a deep commitment to this thing. It's beautiful, even in Ezekiel 37, like there's this vast army. So we've come here, uh, and I love the church because we're committed to making a difference. We have a purpose, we have a dream, we, you know, we want to, this is the three things, right? Here's the three things that we're after in this church. We're going to build a culture of prayer, and we are. We're going to create a discipleship culture where people get devoted to Jesus, be with him, become like him, do what he did. And thirdly, we're committed to mission. We want to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so all of these different things that you see here, they're part of our corporate expression about what it looks like to see the kingdom of God come. Uh, and so there's a sense of an army, there's a purpose here. We want to see lost people come into faith and to come into the loving embrace of their Father. We want to see those that are in poverty lifted out of it. We want to see every good thing that God's got for this region. We want to bless it, we want to see it, we want to be part of it. Amen? This is why I love the church. And so you've got all these beautiful uh, uh, pictures of what it, it means. But then I love this, again, Steve Graham Zinger, right? You know, it's like he says all this stuff. And I'm like, again, I'm just weeping my way through this because I'm like, this is why I love the church. Because I actually, I love the church secondary to the fact I love Jesus. And I love the church because actually my number one thing is I love Jesus. And as he starts talking about it, he's like, we're the family of God, brothers and sisters in, uh, in Christ. Uh, we're the bride of Christ. It's all about him. <laughs> we're the temple of God, founding of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. But the body of Christ, gifted by the Spirit, enterprise of God, co-workers with Him, led by Christ, army of God, led by Christ, empowered by the Spirit. Like we, lo- I love the church because I love Jesus, and I think at its best you do too, right? You're in this thing, you're committed to this thing, as, as funky as it can be, because you love Him. And rather than just being cynical and getting, it's like no, there's a yearning about what this can look like. So the, the, what I want to hit. Uh, this morning is, is that's just the intro. How then? How can we make this church flourish even more? How can we how can we outwork that yearning? Right? How can we live that as much as we? Can? Well, the number one thing I want is that we'll just be committed to our discipleship journey to Jesus. Like absolutely, and we've spent the last five weeks talking about that. So that's the number one thing. I'm like, please ignore everything I'm about to say. If you're still wrestling with this one, this is what I'm interested in. This is what Paul's interested in. I want to see, I want to present people mature in Christ. Right? I want to get up to heaven one day and be like, here's my mate Matt Tan. Pretty mature. Not completely pretty good, you know? <laughs> and on we go. You know, here's phrase it. Jesus, here's my mate phrase it. Yep. Pretty well done, Harvey. Pretty mature in Christ. I want to present people fully mature in Christ to him one day. I want us to like that's that's where the life is. That's where the life is. But, but pragmatically, I'm going to hit two things that are going to make you uncomfortable this morning about how to see this church flourish. Giving and serving. 
<laughs> I haven't banged these drums a lot because lots of churches have banged these drums and sometimes banged them pretty poorly. But it doesn't negate the biblical reality that if we want to see this church flourish, we give and we serve. So let me talk about giving. Let's just, let's just um, rip the band-aid on this one. Now, I haven't spoken about this enough, I've discovered. You'll see why in a second. Uh, this is a book I'd recommend because what's happened with, with I, I'm interested in the truth. I'm interested in good biblical, robust biblical theology. I don't want to preach anything that's not, you know, the whole thing. So I've done a deep dive, and I suggest you do the same, on the whole thing of tithing. Because I think that's been used to manipulate people or there's been a thing there that I don't think we see in New Testament paradigms of giving in terms of theology, okay? You may disagree with me. I'd love you to. (laughs) Go for it. Especially if it's pragmatically disagreeing with me by just putting your money where your heart is or your mind is, that'd be great. No problem, right? But it's a principle. The Old Testament system of giving is literally to do with the whole economy. Like it's to do with the whole way society functions. Uh, and it wasn't actually 10%, it was closer to a third of the income by the time you look at all the different things, which is far more to do with uh, welfare, looking after the temple and the priests, holiday pay, there's all sorts of stuff going on in the Old Testament. But the principles in the New Testament, are at, so that's a book that I'll recommend if you just want to get your head clear on some of this. But the fascinating thing, the, the reason this book is so helpful is he talks as clearly as, and this was a book recommended by a scholar called Scott McKnight, who I trust implicitly, and, uh, and it was brilliant, it was so helpful. At the end of this book, he talks about this very quick summary of the New Testament, New Covenant paradigm for giving. Uh, so he talks about the driving forces of giving, it's grace-driven, hallelujah, it's nothing to do with legalism, it's grace-driven, uh, it's relationship driven. It's love driven. I love this. But, but then he, he goes to talks about the motivations of giving. Why do we give? Out of deep thankfulness, spiritual growth, God's praise, rewards. We don't want to store rewards up here, but we want to live for eternal rewards. Brilliant. Then he talks about the details of giving. It's, this is interesting. It's actually in the New Testament. It is a universal expectation for Christians. Now, you're covered in grace. If you don't give, then it's like, well, hallelujah, thank you for his grace and mercy. But the Bible calls us to, and we talk about all sorts of other spiritual disciplines. Interesting with uh, the Sermon on the Mount, what are the three spiritual disciplines that Jesus hits? Prayer, fasting, giving. When you pray, when you fast, when you give. Now, we're, we're restoring prayer and fasting to our church so prayer, the prayer life of the average punter at Bay Vineyard shot through the roof in the last four or five years. Hallelujah, let's keep on going. Let's press in. The fasting thing's starting to make an appearance. Pretty cool. Some folks have already got a regular weekly fast just as a spiritual discipline happening. It's early days, but let's normalize it when you give. So uh, blah, blah. And then the attitude of giving, voluntary, hear that. Like I'm going to, we're talking about it today and everyone gets freaked out when pastors talk about this sort of stuff, but it's voluntary, uh, it's intentional, it's cheerful, and it's willing. Uh, all of the stuff I find very stirring. Now, when it comes to giving, which is a massive stronghold in our culture, right? Because even as I'm talking about it, I can feel how friggin' tense the room is. It's un- just unclench for a second, it's okay, you know. Because, uh, listen, everything God calls us to is motivated by love and leads us to life. That has to be a core conviction in your heart as to the nature of God. 
every, so in giving, if that's the case, your life is enriched, not impoverished in all the ways that matter, okay? So here's Bay Vineyard's giving. Just so, like, here's the data. Steve's done this. Now, I don't know who gives, but this is, uh, so be relieved about that. (laughs) Some of you, 19% of you right now, very happy, I don't know. Uh, But it's like, here's, so here's what happens at Bay Vineyard in terms of weekly giving. Now, uh, the the freeing thing about tithing in the New Testament is that you're freed from the 10% thing, which means that some of you guys have the gift of giving and could be and should be giving 15, 20, 30% of whatever it is that God's given you, right? And for some of you, giving 0.01% is a massive act of faith. Hallelujah. God sees it. The widow's might wasn't given based on her income. She had none. So it wasn't to do with 10% of anything. It was from a heart that just trusted and loved him, right? And so... Uh, to be really honest, when I saw this, I, there was a little bit of a kick in the gut. You know, a little bit of a kick. The old ghoulies there got a little, little kick. It's like, oh, sweet. You know, 19% of people don't want to, you know, contribute. It's like, and that's, what, this is super clinical and you guys are going to see behind the curtain now, but it's like what we call giving units. Okay, so giving unit is like either one person, like a single person, or a family would be a giving unit, okay? So we're not talking all the people in our church. There's like, let's just giving units, percentages, okay? Does that make sense? Um, and so I want to say a couple of things. Firstly, thank you to those that give generously. And generous looks different for everyone. I don't care what band you're in. There's a generosity for folks. There's nothing about being in the top band or anything like that. There's nothing to do with that. I don't know. God sees your heart. Thank you for those that have a generous spirit towards our church. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's the only reason we can do this. Like really, like the thing again, it does rip my knees a little bit. I'm like, why do we give more to Netflix or play the subs for our soccer, but just not contribute anything to church? That rips Mondays a bit, to be honest. Because I'm like, preparing this isn't just something I do in my free time. I read the books, I go away and pray, I love this church. What Charlotte, if surely, if it's not for Harvey, for what Charlotte does. Like, honestly, her and her team and Simona are phenomenal. I'm like, just make it rain so we can bless them. Um, anyway, so here's my challenge, though, to the 19%. There is a stronghold that's on your life that God wants broken. And here's my encouragement to you is give something to break it. So like, I'm like, give five bucks a week. Give one coffee a week in response to God and all that he's given you. If it's true what we're saying, it's his breath in your lungs and that everything's just a gift, according to our liturgy, that we just get to steward for a season, then surely there'll be something quite powerful, I think, about breaking this by just giving five bucks. And so I'm just like, break it. Like, break the stronghold by just giving five bucks and seeing what God does. But I also want to say, I long to see this place flourish. I long to see it flourish. And like me and Jim would never call you into anything that we're not prepared to live ourselves. And, and I've discovered as of this week, we're in the top 10% of our church's givers with, with the salary that probably isn't in the top 10%, <laughs> right? Um, and it's like, and again, I'm not, I'm, I think it's good for you to know that. Again, I would never call you to, but I don't do that. to. I do that because I'm like, I believe in all the things I just showed you. There's a deep conviction in my heart. So we've said this a lot over the years, and people say this to each other a lot, but I'm going to say it to you. Do your research. Do your own research. 
And you see what the Bible says. And you know what God's love language is? It's obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. And it's interesting when Paul exhorts uh, the church in Corinth, he says this, he says, you know, you've excelled in all these things. You've excelled in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and the love we've kindled in you. See also you excel in this grace of giving. Some of us, it's like we're growing spiritually and there's all this life in us, but it's like, let's also excel in being a beautifully generous people. And when that happens, it, it, it causes our church to flourish. Again, we want to live the liturgy. We give so that this church may flourish and for the extension of your kingdom on this earth. And so I long for this place to flourish. And so if, if people did give like a tithe, and again, you know my things on that, but if people gave a tithe in our church, our budget would jump up like three or 400,000 a year, which means that we could totally look at buildings in terms of our church things. But the, and here's what we're going to invest in always when it comes to people's giving. People and property. We want places where all the things that we, we talked about in terms of church flourishing can happen. And secondly, uh, we want to see people employed to do the work of ministry to help equip the saints for ministry so that we can see the kingdom of God advance. And so I'm like filled with faith uh, and excited. I'm like, man, we're just going to keep, you know, we're going to keep them going. But, uh, but I'd love you just to consider what it looks like to, to play your part in the flourishing of our church in response to all these things, all of these things especially these things, out of thankfulness, because I want to grow spiritually, because, just as an act of praise uh, and, and for the eternal rewards. Amen? Harvey's mini giving talk complete. You survived it. Well done. All right. Secondly, serve. <laughs> uh, this church is going to flourish. And, it can, and again, just we have, a, we have a servant-hearted culture here. I love it. And just up front, like the, the, again, we're a body, so it's like we're just kind of going like everyone serves somewhere unless you're going through tricky stuff. If you're going through tricky stuff, it's our joy to love you, serve you, pray for you, see you heal. But once things are back together, it's the and, and most of our church does this, different in terms of serving, in terms of data, hallelujah for that. Uh, check out this, Kunrad. Kunrad, you friggin' legend, mate. He has packed in and out 67 times. What a friggin' hospos. Are the Harrys here? Harry's aren't here, they watch online. 50 times. Nan has welcomed people at the door 217 times. <laughs> Blair's been involved with worship for 65 times, and, uh, and, uh, and Gillian's helped out in Bay Kids 72 times. Like, I, now, there's so many, again, it's like if, if, you, if you start a list, you're going to really hurt someone because they missed out because there's someone that packed in 49 times, didn't get a mention. But it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. But thank, that's just a picture of the incredible servant heart in this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, uh, and church, our church flourishes and is just so healthy because of, of that. And I love it. It's beautiful. You know, um, in 2 Chronicles 5, there's this moment where the, the glory of God comes and fills the temple. It's just epic, right? I mean, the musicians are playing. You've got to try and imagine. Unreal. This is why, I mean, this is, again, this is why I love the church. These transcendent moments where God walks in the room. Unreal. But the thing that we forget is that preceding the glory filling the temple in 2 Chronicles 5, there's a whole lot of rosters. <laughs> Right? I mean, here's, here's these guys. They've got the worship team there. There's a whole lot of them. And then young and old alike, they, they have their duties. And then, like, they've got the gatekeepers, like the welcome team. They're there. Lots of castle each gate. And so if you work your way through uh, the, the second, from two, uh, 1 Chronicles 24 onwards, you'll just see rosters. You'll see planning center or whatever we use. You know, it's like, it's just, there is, but here's the thing. It's like the principle is that 
like sometimes I think we just want organic church and we just want to meet in the park and anyone that doesn't have kids in our church is like, bro, let's just go get a stick a tent up somewhere and we'll worship God. I'm like, you don't have kids, do you? No, I don't. It's like, well, yeah, because, and also you haven't dealt with our local council, you know, that's kind of not that keen on us smashing out some worship in the middle of whatever. So, but there's a, so there's a pragmatic thing here when it comes to, like we organize the stuff and that's the kitty in which the, pre, the glory of God falls. There's a bunch of servant-hearted people making this thing uh, rock. And so, Harvey, I'm on a team. I really want to join one. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'd love you to, if you jump on our website, um, you could, if you, you'll see this on our sign-up page. You'll see the Serving at Bay Vineyard form. And in fact, Karen's here and she can't wait. Why is everyone leaving? Oh, you're not. Uh, no, you're leaving to get ready for that. He's coming to land, I think. Or well, I disagree vehemently. Whatever. Um, you, can go on, uh, you can go onto our website or talk to Karen uh, but can I just say, like, we've got lots of teams. Our priority is Bay Kids. Our, uh, we are not here to just have church for us. We're here to be a church family that lives selflessly for the next generation. It's why we do the start of the service like we do it. It's why Charlotte and her team are such a big deal. It's why I'd love you to give generously to our church so we can pay her what we should be paying her. That woman left, left the Ministry of Education on a good wicket to serve your children. You know, that's, that's a good giving. <laughs> Actually, on that, you know what? Even if you, if you struggle with Bay Vineyard because we haven't given you enough financial feedback, give to another church, break it somehow. Give to the church. I don't care where it goes. Anyway, whatever. Um, but sign up, be part of the team. Um, we need, we need a, a, a people in, to help. We need at least one more person on the regular roster for Team Bay Seniors, for te- one more for Team Bay Juniors. We need a bunch of help for Bay Preschool. We need four people to help out on the roster there on the regular uh, because all the people that used to help out had a whole lot more babies. <laughs> and now they're out for a little season. So, um, And just encourage Charlotte and her team and let's just all work to make this place flourish. Amen. I just finished with this. Um, I, I felt, I've had, a, I've had an interesting week as I prepared this, you know, like I am feeling a bit gutted that 19% of people don't contribute anything. Like, and I, and I, I understand that there'll be reasons for that that are very understandable as much, and, and there'll be some stuff that's broken. But like, leading a church isn't easy these days. And there's a lot of cultural pressure. And like, you've got to fight. This is a war. That's why we're an army. Like, there's a war that's going on that we have to be wise about. You know, we have to fight this thing. We've got to create a counterculture here that's stronger than the formational culture of our world, which is so strong. It's so selfish. It's so consumeristic and all the rest of it. And there are times when I was like, man, is it worth it? Really honestly? It's, it's tough. Especially when you feel like there's a bunch of people that aren't that really in on the thing, you know? And you're pouring your life out for it, like Paul talks about. Like I've become a servant of this thing. But then I like I read this and I'm like, I'm still I'm so in. <laughs> I'm so in. And listen to it. If serving the Lord or giving to the Lord seems undesirable to you, then just choose this day who you'll serve. Because there's the gods of the ancestors that beyond the Euphrates or the god of Amorites. That could be any, that, like the god of consumerism, the god of selfishness, the god of just about me. That, like pick. If you, if you want to just, if you're not sure, then just, if it's, it's undesirable. If, but I like this. It's Braveheart. <laughs> but it's for me and my house. <laughs> we will serve the Lord. 
and I, re- I just read that afresh. I read that afresh this week, and I was like, I've been in the depths of discouragement many times over the last 21 years of full-time ministry, and I'm still standing. And God's grace has carried me safe this far. His grace will carry me home. So I'm like, I'm going to keep serving the Lord, protect my heart, because it's probably not going to be the gold, the girls, or the glory that take me out. It would be discouragement. But Lord, protect my heart. Help me communicate this talk in such a way that doesn't wound people, but inspires and encourages and perhaps convicts so that this church can flourish. It's because it's your family, and it's your bride, and it's your temple, and it's your body, and it's your enterprise, and it's your army. So Lord, for your sake, would this place flourish.